Did you ever hear of Kong? Why, yes. Some native superstition, isn't it? A god or a spirit or something. Well, anyway, neither beast nor man. Something monstrous, all-powerful, still living, still holding that island in a grip of deadly fear. Well, every legend has a basis of truth. Welcome to Now Playing's King Kong Retrospective Series. I'm offering him adventure, fame, the thrill of a lifetime, and a long sea voyage. Well, I don't see how you can be amused by gorillas. I think they're dull. Well, this one's 60 feet tall. What do you think of him? 60 feet? That's right. This is Kong, the strongest living creature on Earth. Hosted by Stuart. I, I, I was just afraid that you might be one of those self-obsessed literary types. The Tweety Twerp with his nose in this book. Jacob. I'm on the level. No funny business. Trust me and keep your chin up. And Arnie. Here we are. Just one big happy family. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Are you sure about this? Our primates too. Listener discretion is advised. It's time to show Kong that man is king. We hope you enjoy the show. Lights, cameras, Kong. Today we're discussing King Kong Lives, starring Brian Kerwin, Linda Hamilton, John Ashton, Peter Michael Goetz, directed by John Gillerman. This is the now playing co-host who's a primate too, Arnie. Sometimes dead is better. It's Stuart. You're going to need a doctor when you get a whiff of my gas. This is Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, we've reached it. See, this is why I'm probably not a Kong guy. Like, this was the Kong I knew. This was the one that ran on cable when I came home from 7th grade. King Kong came out in 1976. Why did it take 10 years for Kong 2 to hit the screen? There are a bunch of reasons. Starting with Dino actually was very disappointed. Even though King Kong was the second biggest grossing film of all time, it beat The Godfather, it wasn't able to beat Jaws. And the fish movie that didn't make people cry made $125 million, And King Kong, the tearjerker, only made $90 million. And so Dino was like, you know what? I'm going to try again. I'm going to make Orca the killer whale. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> have you guys ever seen that movie? I have not seen it, but I know of it. Oh, yeah. It's scarred for life. You know, most people know Bo Derek from 10, you know, the, the braids, nudity mm-hmm. and all that. No, I remember this chick's leg getting bit off by Orca. Like, that's <laughs> the money shot in that movie. And maybe you'll cry in it. I don't know. It is a ripoff of Jaws, and it did not make as much money, but it is more entertaining than Jaws the Revenge. And they may have even ripped it off, because it has a similar... Is the Orca psychic? Is it following people to get revenge? There is some, yes personification, supernatural stuff going on there with with the fish and his priorities that, yes, feels like it was a warm-up for that fourth Jaws movie. But it's also worth pointing out, Universal at this point co-owns Kong, has some say in what Dino makes, and once, you know, they made Jaws. So, like, once he's making Orca, they're like, yeah, we're not into you doing anything more with Kong. 
And they weren't really into making Kong. Like, the disaster movie craze was kind of dying in the late 70s. If you remember, the ones at the end, like The Swarm. You ever seen that one, the Killer Bees one? Yes, I have. Oh, boy. Or (laughs) Airport. I mean, they did all the popular disasters. They had to dig deep for these later ones. They dug deep. (laughs) Paul Newman had a volcano movie with Pat Morita that was really bad. It just wasn't a hot time to do more disasters once they were getting towards the 80s. Time for new things. And Dino had other things going on. We've talked about them. Last month, we talked about one of his very expensive epics, Flash Gordon. Ah! <laughs> that was going to be his Star Wars. So, you know, and then he had Conan, he had Stephen King. We've covered some of that stuff. Dune, you know, he got David Lynch started off there. So, you know, he was trying to start his new studio that was based in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so he was trying to raise money. And the reason why he went back to Kong was he thought that if this is my biggest hit, putting out another one will mean I'm flush with cash and I can make other flops (laughs) like I'm known to do. And more interestingly, it's perfectly synced with the release of Universal Studios' new ride. They have an attraction they're building into their Los Angeles studio tour called King Kong Encounter, where visitors ride a tram into the New York City back lot and a screaming animatronic Kong is awaiting them and swatting down news choppers. Oh, it's great. I loved it as a kid going through that thing. They did it in Florida, too. I had a great time going on that. Yeah, that's Kongfrontation. That took that ride and improved it when they opened Universal Studios Orlando. But yeah, in 86, this was the first time Kong was making an appearance in any park. And so Dino was like, oh, we can use their marketing to jump out and we'll try to come out that (laughs) summer. And so the last hurdle to get over is how Do you bring King Kong back? If you remember, the last time they tried this, Son of Kong, nobody liked that. Adino was adamant. We are not remaking Son of Kong. Uh, I got to disagree. I saw the end of this film. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what he's saying anyway. It has to be his original monkey. The big ape has to live. So how are they going to do it? I'm surprised that the monkey they got to helm this thing is the original director, though. Gillerman is back. Yes, they're going to bring back whoever they could get, which ends up being Carlo Rimbaldi, the special effects guru who, in the meantime, in between Kong 76 and this film, made E.T., everyone loved him, made the xenomorph head in Alien, and the spaceman in Close Encounters. The thing is, he didn't design the monkey suit. And all the old suits were Rick Baker's work, and they had deteriorated. He actually had to go literally into the trash to try and find the original molds to make Kong look like he did in 1976. So they got him, but they didn't totally get the guy that could do it. And then, yes, they bring back director John Gillerman because, well, it had all gone really bad for John Gillerman. (laughs) First of all, he was almost fired from the original movie. He was known for breaking chairs throwing things at the screen during the screening of the dailies. Uh, Extras and people on the crew talked about him constantly punching them and throwing them to the ground. (laughs) And Dino really, again, he knew that this man's artistry was why the movie was as good as it was, but he really had to ask, is this a lawsuit waiting to happen? Would I be better off? Will I make more money closing down this production than letting him run the set this way? So Gillerman probably did not want to return, but he also ultimately made Sheena. 
if you know oh, Sheena, Queen yep. of the Jungle. Queen of the Jungle. I never saw it until this podcast. I wanted to know, is it as bad as I've heard? It's just, it's more expensive than I would have guessed. It is one of the most expensive movies of its day, more than Ghostbusters. And yeah, it's basically a Tarzan female sex film with Tanya Roberts riding around on a horse painted to look like a zebra with no clothes. And it's the the horse wasn't wearing clothes or she wasn't wearing clothes. Both, both. <laughs> and yeah, it's just it has that strange tonal problem that Flash Gordon did of like, is this a sex film or a comedy? Is this camp? Or are you trying to be serious here? It's a real mess. And because it was so expensive, it totally ruined his career. He probably wouldn't have worked again if Dino wasn't making a Kong, too. And so, all right, I'll come back to abuse some more people. After this movie, he he made one other TV movie, but more or less retired. This was, for many people involved in this film, the end of their career, including Kong. I mean, I think it really, they say King Kong lives, but man, it doesn't feel like it. Here's what I'm finding very weird in this King Kong retrospective series, is it feels like we're reviewing a series of duologies. We had the original Kong, and then one lackluster sequel, and then we had King Kong vs. Godzilla, and one lackluster sequel, and then Dino made Kong, here's a lackluster sequel. <laughs> it's it's not until Peter Jackson that they don't get a sequel, and that one made a ton of money. Did it? We'll talk about it. But yes, I get what you're saying. What it seems is everyone loves it the first time around, but how do you continue on? Particularly when the premise is built on the tragedy, your main character dies. You cheapen it when you say King Kong lives, because the whole tragedy was he died. And so how can they have us still crying, presuming we were, Dino, sorry, I never was, is an interesting question for the screenwriter. But they lost money. They, like, at the last minute before they were shooting, suddenly 200 million didn't show up at DEG Studios. And they started scrambling and said, yeah, we were going to make Total Recall. We're selling that to Carol Co. And the reason why we have the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is because Dino gave up the rights to that Philip K. Dick property. And yes, Kong's budget went from 24 to, well, I've heard as low as $10 million. And you can tell. You can tell that they did not have the money to pull off what they were trying. All of the shoots they were going to have in Brazil and Jamaica and foreign countries are now at their studios and in North Carolina. Yeah, I did some reading, and at the time they were saying they spent 18 on this. So no matter what, it lost a lot of money. It made... I don't understand this number because it's the only time I've ever seen an or in Wikipedia. They don't know how much it made. It's like <laughs> it may have made 4.7 million or it may have only made 2.2 million. I can explain that without knowing for a fact. I can just tell you that's Dino. Dino always fudges things. You're never to quite know what it cost or how much he made. He's always going to boast the bigger number. But yes, However you slice it, this movie came out around Christmas time, 1986, and was an unmitigated disaster, was barely noticed, didn't even win Razzies. I was surprised. I thought for sure this thing could take home some worst. Were the Razzies around in 86? Yeah, you know what? It was Howard the Duck's year. Oh, okay. You know, like nobody was taking it from Howard. And so, yeah, this film opened against Splatoon and Little Shop of Horrors, which also didn't make money, by the way, and just totally disappeared within a matter of days. And I saw it all the time the next year, running on cable. <laughs> it's the 
the one that probably I've seen the most often. But you guys, never heard of it? Never seen it? Oh, I've heard of it. I, I've never heard of it? You know what a pain in the butt it was to even find a copy of this to watch? I thought Son of Kong would be hard. Nope. Archive.org. They got those old films on there. But this one was hard to find a copy of. Oh, you could buy a DVD. It was out on DVD. I don't want to own this. It only costs, what, $95? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> collector's item i should have bought it it reminds me of when i bought silent night deadly night one and between the time we recorded the podcast and i spent 150 <laughs> yes. bucks on the disc and we released the podcast it came out in the nine dollar bin mm. but yes i i want to thank the now playing listener it's the same one who hooked me up with that rare godfather cut he has set me up with King Kong lives, and I was able to see the DVD transfer for it. And of course, I remember this coming out. I mentioned that last show. I was interested because King Kong lived, but not interested enough to actually go to theaters during the short time it was out. That's interesting because you did love the original so much. The original 1976, I should say. But yes, something told you in your bones. Or, or somebody told me in my newspaper, I was actively watching Siskel and Ebert and reading newspaper reviews. It could just be I saw two thumbs down and was like, well, screw that movie. Yes. Well, I can understand that sentiment. But Arnie, let's talk about this plot. You mean something that has no sentiment? In 1976, we saw King Kong shot by helicopters, then he plummeted 1,776 feet, crashing to the bottom of the World Trade Center. The king is dead. Long live the king. The giant ape's body was taken by scientists and put on life support for 10 years, while a group of scientists and doctors at the Atlantic Institute in Georgia, led by Linda Hamilton's character Dr. Amy Franklin, designed and built a giant artificial heart capable of pumping blood through Kong's 50-foot body. In 1986, the heart is ready, but Kong is not. The 10 years of sedation has lowered his blood levels, and without a blood transfer, he won't survive the surgery. Who can possibly donate blood for a -a one-of-a-kind giant gorilla? Well, as luck would have it, they don't have to look that hard. A match is found at Borneo. A wannabe Indiana Jones named Hank Mitchell, called Mitch, is exploring Borneo and finds a giant female ape he calls Lady Kong. Yeah, why not Queen Kong? Come on. There actually was, in the 70s, a rip-off movie called Queen Kong, so someone actually already had the rights to that. (laughs) He knocks her out and sells her to the highest bidder, which is the Atlantic Institute. Using Lady Kong's blood, King Kong is brought back to life with the artificial heart, but Kong can smell the female gorilla miles away, and he breaks out of the Institute and takes Lady Kong into the Georgian wilderness where they hide and hump. To subdue the two giant gorillas, the army is called in, led by Lieutenant Colonel Archie Nevitt, played by Beverly Hills Cops John Ashton. He's committed to killing Kong, so Mitch and Dr. Franklin go on their own to find the apes. Dr. Franklin knows Kong's artificial heart isn't properly calibrated, and if not fixed by her remote control, then he will die. While they follow the apes, Mitch and Amy fall in love and do some humping of their own. Lady Kong is captured, and King Kong jumps off a cliff and is presumed dead. Months pass, and King Kong has survived healing in the wilderness. Meanwhile, Lady Kong is brought to term and ready to give birth. But Lady Kong isn't getting good veterinary care, so Amy and Mitch try to break her out. Mitch has secured some land in Borneo where Lady Kong can live in peace. But King Kong is discovered, and he's hunted by the military and by a redneck militia. 
to what you get for hiding out in the Appalachians. Angry, Kong starts to kill his hunters, including Lieutenant Colonel Nevitt, but in his rampage, he destroys the remote control that could regulate his heart. Kong reaches Lady Kong just as she's giving birth. Thank God off screen, that's not some afterbooth I want to see. Kong's artificial heart gives out, but he lives just long enough to meet the Son of Kong. And Lady Kong and Son of Kong are taken to their reserve in Borneo to live undisturbed as credits roll. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they do work in A Son of Kong. They were thinking about Legacy. This is, despite the title, King Kong Dies, tears already forming in my eyes. But in the beginning here, <laughs> what they're trying to tell you is, and I think it's a hard concept to grasp, yes, in 1976, what we saw was not fatal. Does anyone remember Baby Faye? Like Faye from the first King Kong movie? Nope, nope. Baby Faye. She was a big headline. She was the first person to receive a baboon heart transplant in 1984. This is not ringing any bells, Arnie? Nope, don't recall this. But yeah, Baby Faye showed medical technology was leaning to the idea that simian and human could exchange hearts. The truth of the matter is, the shock was, I thought she was still among us, but the child only lived 20 days. So it wasn't like it was a medical miracle, but they certainly sold it like this was going to be the way we dealt with cardiac problems in the future. What I do remember in the mid-80s, because my father was a cardiologist, not a surgeon, but several surgeons in his practice, was the invention of the artificial heart. And my father's involvement in the first artificial heart transplant in our city. Really? Yeah. Your dad did that? No, he's not a surgeon. (laughs) My father was the medical doctor who worked with the patient before and after the surgery, because if you've ever had surgery, surgeons like to cut and then leave you. You know, they're cut them and leave them. Okay. Yeah, 1983 is the first one. Barney Clark is his name. He was a 61-year-old dentist. And again, my sense was like, yay, we did this amazing thing. We built a mechanical heart, and it replaced his organic heart, and he lived 112 days. Like, did it get better? Like, I don't feel like anybody does this anymore, right? It just, it's an invention that went away. Your dad didn't keep doing this, right? Like, this was a fad? They still do it. Okay. 85% of transplant patients return to work or other activities they previously enjoyed, Mm. and 75% of them live at least five years. Okay. That's come a long way since my memory of, I believe it was RoboCop 2 with the Honda, Suzuki, you choose your heart. So all this is happening in the early 80s, and even though it wasn't a huge lease on life at that time, you can see why a screenwriter would think, ah, this is the answer. Kong fell off the building, we heard his heart thumping to a stop, but if we get him a new heart, hey, there it is. That's a stupid fucking idea! The dude was shot with 80 million bullets, a heart transplant! Yeah, he also fell off the World Trade Center, his bones are dust. Be that as it may, Ronald Shusett thought that this would be an idea that they could use as camp, that they would have to tweak this, but take what was going on in modern medical science and kind of satirize it here with King Kong. And so he wrote it with the idea that it would be funny and then had the further idea that Kong would also need a blood transfusion and would get that from a Lady Kong. He is right. This is funny when you think about it. It it doesn't play funny, but he's got the right instinct to make it camp. Not funny, ha-ha, funny, ridiculous. No, it was funny, ha-ha on the page. And then Dino said, 
That's it. It's brilliant. At last, they will cry. I will make them cry again. <laughs> Jeez. He really wants us to cry during this, doesn't he? Yes. Dino didn't understand that this was stupid. <laughs> and Dino thought that this was completely normal and that we would, again, he had the same tragic storyline set up for his sequel. I'm not going to outright say Dino was high on drugs, but I will say this is the same year he hired Stephen King to do Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, no, Dino was crazy. I mean, everyone that works with him will tell you that. It's why so many people didn't come back to this. Jeff Bridges tells a very funny story about how Dino came up to him at the end of the shoot and is like, Jeff, 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 I got two words for you. Kong 2. <laughs> and Jeff is like, oh, yeah? I got two words for you. <laughs> you, I mean, nobody was coming. Jessica Lang was like, there's no way I'm getting back into that animatronic hand again and getting pinched and hurt. And Dino's response was, good. The first scene of the new movie will be you being eaten. The one thing I'll give this artificial heart thing is in attempting to make our tears flow. The 70s, and it worked on me as a kid. We didn't discuss it, but the sound of that heartbeat. You hear the heart of Kong and it drowns out all other sound until we get to hear Dwan scream in agony of the pain of her loss. All we hear is Kong's heart stopping. And so I suppose if you were watching that, like, how do you pick up? Well, your last thing you see of Kong or the last impression you have of Kong is his giant thudding heart. But no, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Terry Schiavo, yeah. that legal case yes. from a few years That's back. Right. Yes. They Terry Schiavoed Kong. I, 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 is that? I don't know if he has civil rights where like yeah. he, he could demand to be pulled off life support. He's just an animal. Hold on now. According to King Kong versus Godzilla, what about Kong's civil rights? Yeah. I well, don't... Japan's more progressive than us. No, yeah, if this had been made in the 90s, it probably would have had lawyers arguing these things, the John Grisham era. But right <laughs> now, it's very convenient. And again, they had money that got pulled where they were going to restage and they were going to walk you through how the ape was actually lifted out of this, kept alive, and brought to Atlanta, which, by the way, is nowhere near New York City. I mean, that is quite a feat to get them there. Do they say Atlanta? Because I kept trying to figure out. I'm like, are they in Florida? Because alligators are going to show up. Are there alligators in Atlanta? Atlanta, Georgia with the Atlantic Institute. Oh, okay. When the apes run away, I think they do go to the Everglades. I think they head south. But it's, you know what? Dino's sense of geography is not good. <laughs> they are uh, on a back lot. Obviously, yes. And the Atlanta Institute, that sounds like one of those pay-for-nothing degree like <laughs> schools that you get. Like, how did they wind up with the biggest primate of all time? I don't get this. Anyway, it's 10 years later, and he's been hauled away to some place that keeps him on life support. It takes 10 years to build a heart. Who built the breathing tube? When did they get that? <laughs> did they just find some conduit from an electrical company and shove it up his nose? That's my question. You, you get this, I guess, the head of the Institute. He's like... Uh, this artificial heart has cost us $7 million. Like, has it taken them that 10 years? Did they have to, like, fundraise and get grants? And $7 million is actually cheap for that many researchers for a full decade. I mean, how much are they making? Oh, yeah, I'm sure, like, way more than $7 million was spent developing the real artificial heart. Like, yeah, it didn't seem like that much to me. But keep in mind, these were jokes. These were jokes that the screenwriter wrote 
that the people that got the script didn't get. And because they didn't get, everyone in this movie never cracks a smile. It's kind of amazing how straight everyone plays this. If I saw my career going with this movie, I wouldn't smile either. I definitely think that there's a way to make this work. I definitely think you could take this script. Again, Flash Gordon had a sense of fun, and some of those people knew what movie they were in. You know, you just play into it. You know, tongue poking out of your cheek there. But no, they look miserable. When I see Linda Hamilton here, she is furious right yeah she's so deadly serious in this film and couldn't believe it like terminator was that a hit in 1984 like did she have expectations to become a big star after that i think she had expectations and she does i mean she's the only one to emerge from any of this unscathed yeah she's the only one that has a career after this film Yeah, I mean, it it was an $80 million hit. I mean, you could argue she maybe wasn't the thing that people wanted to see next. It was kind of Arnold's movie, but yeah. I wouldn't say unscathed. She was kind of scathed until Cameron brought her back for the sequel. Uh, Beauty and the Beast ran on CBS, and that was a modest hit. I didn't like it. People don't understand this. That was a huge ego blow if you were a movie star and had to take a television role. No, yeah, she's a B-movie actress, but she's better than this. I mean, this is really the dregs, and she feels it. And when these actors were done, nobody would show them the footage. They were told, go on television, promote this movie. We have no money for ads. And she and the main actor were like... But why would I tell people on TV to go see it if I haven't seen it? And they're like, we don't have the film finished yet. And they're like, it opens next week. (laughs) I mean, that is just the norm in Hollywood today, I think, is you promote your films without ever seeing them. But you at least bring a clip, right? Like you go on there and then Johnny Carson turns and you see 20 seconds of it. They wouldn't even give up that. They wouldn't give them any footage because they knew if you saw anything in this movie, you would be less likely to watch it. And so I just have to presume like this was a really painful experience for most of the people on here and including her i actually think there are things you could have shown me that would make me more excited for this film specifically kong's breakout of the institute when we get there that would have been a clip to show on carson that would have gotten me in theaters those special effects in 1986 Two years after Ghostbusters, Back to the Future. (laughs) Are you kidding? This is so behind the times. In 1986, didn't we go see Explorers in theaters as Uh, well as The Wraith? No, Arnie, don't hold up The Wraith as what people like to watch. You like to watch that. But most people had an expectation about what visual effects were, and this movie is not flying. I'm just saying what we saw, what we actually paid ticket prices for. The Gate had terrible special effects, but we were in theaters. I didn't go to that, but I understand your point. Children might go to this. This is a PG-13 movie. There's a nip slip. (laughs) <laughs> the parents are going to have to explain to them about Lady Kongs and where little baby Kongs come from. But I suppose you could take small children. Is there a human nip slip, Jacob? Yeah, Linda Hamilton's nip slips. No, I think she takes off her shirt intentionally, but yeah, they kind of... Well, it's only flashed for a second. It's not like it's out there to ogle for a long time. It's it's half a second. Yeah, it's not like Terminator where you get long, slow motion shots. Nothing here is like Terminator, except you might (laughs) want somebody dead. Except I want to watch Terminator instead of it. 
Yeah, maybe that's what you're feeling here. And again, Lyndon Hamilton is here, almost unrecognizable, but yes, behind Scrub, she's skulking about saying, we need a miracle, and cut to Borneo, here it is. I guess originally, this was supposed to be less awkward. Hank was supposed to be climbing a rock face, falling off, getting caught by Lady Kong, and essentially being the male Fay Ray. There was going to be a whole romantic storyline between human and Simeon. Yeah, I kept waiting for that to happen. It was in the original design of this, and when the budget got slashed, they just reduced that part of the movie. Okay, I do not understand just the... I I do understand. It's called poor writing, but the vast coincidence that they're like, we need a miracle, and then you cut to this guy in Borneo, who he's just like a big game hunter who sells things to the states, right? Arnie, don't you know that Skull Island and Borneo used to be part of the same landmass, and apparently this is (laughs) how animals get separated and end up on different continents? (laughs) I mean, it is in the South Pacific, but yes, why couldn't he just be on Skull Island? Why couldn't he just find a place that Kong came from? Yeah, if Kong is still alive and like everyone knows about Kong now, isn't everyone looking for that island and trying to find more of these things? Yeah, I think it's like, uh, remember the reunion movies of Gilligan's Island where it turned into a tourist spot and everybody was coming like (laughs) fantasy island not only that but kong was the reason there was a whole bunch of fog he's gone so presumably everyone can find (laughs) this damn island now yeah because there ain't no dinosaurs on there that you could fight well all those snakes are still breathing up a storm oh that's right the giant snakes there was one and he was finished (laughs) (laughs) nobody hatches one snake it's always a nest at any rate, the scene that we get, I guess the improvement that was made here, we mentioned before, Jessica Lang described being carried by the animatronic hand as being very painful because they used metal hydraulics and sometimes it crushed too much. They couldn't control it. I guess Kong's fingers are balloons. This is more like a wind dancer that's picking him up here. And so it didn't hurt this actor to be swept up as he's leaning back for siesta on this palm tree. And now, yeah, there's a lot about him we don't know, but he's an opportunity. He suddenly is now putting this ape out to bid for the highest university to take. Is this a career path? Is this something my guidance counselor didn't tell me about? You know, yeah, it's the Indiana Jones career path. Yeah, I could go into IT (laughs) or I could just start going adventuring in Borneo and selling animals that I don't own. I'm just impressed by the tribesmen who have blow darts, but they're spears. Yes! How does that work? Like, you got to have some lungs to put (laughs) that one in that ape. (laughs) And are they like dipped in, uh, not poison, but something to put Lady Kong to sleep? Yeah, presumably they're drugged up or something like that, but try imagine trying to blow a javelin 50 feet. Yeah, no, I know, it's crazy. I mean, like, that's, woo! Yeah, I'm like, they have blow darts, why are spears coming out? But this movie does blow, so it has no problem <laughs> doing this, and there's a whole thing with, like, proportion, too, right? We see this giant Lady Kong, and then we see the airplane, and I'm like, how is she in that airplane like it's obviously a very small freight plane i was hoping that once again lady kong was being held by you know being dragged by the four limbs like we've seen kong have happen a couple times get some yellow balloons right just like do that one again i love that bit but that would be silly and dino's making a tragedy It is a tragedy, this film. He's taking this deadly serious. This has the production values of a Japanese monster movie, but it has none of the fun. But 
I've never seen a Japanese monster movie that gave its female monster memories. And I have to say, eh, that is hysterical because they just sag like the world's worst man boobs. Yeah. What is the thought on this? Like, that is what makes her a lady? We have to give her tits. Well... I believe, wouldn't that be accurate? That I mean, they're mammals, mammal, mammary, breasts. Can you tell the difference between a male and female gorilla based on their torso? I don't think I could. I don't know. It's not my skill. They're totally different sizes, I, but these ones are the same size. I'm no Diane Fossey, but what I'm really getting at is, is this just a way of getting away with boobs all the time in a PG-13 movie? And are the under-13 crowd happy about this no (laughs) i'm not happy now because google will forever have in my search history gorilla tits Mm. but yes female gorillas have tits and there's no hair on them so the hair just stops and there are some boobies okay they didn't have to do this again these are kongs they're not gorillas you could shape them however you might like but yes it seems to be the thrill of this movie kind of like flash gordon that they're getting away with something that lady kong has these big gazumbas and everyone is pretending not to see them if they were getting away with something, wouldn't they have made them pert? You know, <laughs> tried to make them sexy in any way? Yeah, I didn't think, having heard you guys, like, make jokes about it before I saw this, I was expecting it to be way worse. I was kind of let down by her tits. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry that I oversold this. She's not Dolly Parton, but I do feel no. like there is something subversive going on here. These are the most realistic-looking tits in Hollywood in the 80s. Well, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, it was the age for it. It's worth pointing out this was when plastic surgeons were getting those implants and so yes this was maybe this is completely scientifically accurate i'm showing my ignorance i will move on and simply say oh boy lady kong so here (laughs) she is dropped off for the blood transfusion and yeah totally fine they skim over this but he gets the blood he needs she's put on a warehouse down the street and linda hamilton goes to town with some really giant instruments by that You'd mean like needles, not like... I mean a giant hacksaw and like vacuum cleaners for suction. Yeah, this looks like it should be a comedy. Like when they bring that bone saw down and it's like on bungee cords to balance it because it's comically large. When they're doing this operation, I just feel like I'm watching The Incredible Shrinking Woman or something like that. It just... Inner space. Yeah, exactly. There were all kinds of movies yeah, about... it just feels off. <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And again, with someone that had that sensibility here let me take the needle off the record would this movie with this premise be fun if people had better jokes and we're kind of leaning on yeah it. absolutely i think it would i actually think i would be into this premise if people could tell me don't take it seriously I'm not taking it seriously. I'm not able to take it seriously. If I felt the filmmakers were in on the joke, that would probably help. But then again, you know, I don't think the people who made Troll 2 were in on the joke. And if they had been, that movie wouldn't be nearly as funny. Here, I'm in the similar boat. If they'd been in on the joke, I don't think I'd be laughing as hard as I am. And see, I'm not laughing. This is what I'm saying. Like, I've seen a lot of bad movies. I could point to some Mighty Peking Man is a funny King Kong ripoff. Like, this one ain't funny. And it's because everyone looks so sour. Everyone is having such a miserable time here that I wish I could be laughing at them. But they just make me feel bad for doing that. The only one that doesn't feel like they're sour is Hank. Like, he feels like he's in a totally different movie when he 
gives them Lady Kong. He's upset that they took too much blood. They only need a plasma. They put the blood back in you. I was a college student. I sold plasma. I know how that works. <laughs> like, he feels like he's going for something different than Linda Hamilton, but none of it works. Oh, come on. You guys mentioned inner space and things. The movie that came to my mind was Little Shop of Horrors when we have the POV of Kong's innards looking up around the incision and seeing all the doctors gathered around there. That was like the POV from inside Audrey's tomb's mouth. I was laughing. You were laughing at this movie. I was laughing at this movie like the fat kid on the playground. Okay, I wasn't. And again, I feel like I was primed for it. I think the reason, maybe one of the reasons why it wasn't up for any Razzies Beyond Worst special effects is it's just not a good time. It's not fun like those Japanese Kong movies, which were equally dumb and equally bad looking. Yeah, when they're doing the operation and like the clamp comes loose and blood spurting everywhere, they're playing it serious. It's like I'm watching ER or something. It's not being played for jokes. <laughs> jokes mm-hmm. it's, right that's what makes it funny is that they're trying to take it serious uh it's not campy enough it's not brown arrow enough for me to laugh oh it is so campy it's unintentional camp but it is camp yeah i well, I'm, I'm seeing something different than you Arnie, because i hear what you're saying yes these are people that are degrading themselves in a movie that is asking you to believe this is a heart pounding surgery but i can't laugh at them for doing this it feels solemn and bizarre and has none of the spirit even of the last movie it's strange to think that john gillerman made kong 76 because it has none of the feel of it on top of of course it, it couldn't look like it because they don't have the money but this feels like it was made by entirely different people 10 years on in a career in ruins it is a totally different person with a totally different budget let us not oversell the auteur theory to say that Spielberg could have made Jurassic Park on a $10 million budget. If your funds are limited, you're not going to get the A-list talents under you as far as effects people, cameramen, sound effects, all of it, and acting. And then you're not going to be able to sell special effects. And this does not sell any special effects. When we have that close-up of King Kong's eyes as he's waking up, it is so obviously black pancake makeup over some human eyes. Yeah, but this was the budget for most movies of that era. And and again, we can't agree on what the budget is. Maybe it was as low as 10 or maybe it was 18. That's a pretty substantial budget for any movie of that era. And it does not look like movies of this era. This movie looks like it was made in 1976 and it feels really like Grindhouse. The Kong suits are, I think, as good as 76s. They're so much better than those Japanese ones where we could see the stitching and the zippers. And yet, when I could see the stitching and the zippers, it works better. This, I know they dug through the trash to get Rick Baker's costumes, but does it even have the animatronics? Like, I felt that was the charm of what he brought to Kong. Agreed, agreed. It is not the same Kong experience. It doesn't look like the same Kong. He doesn't move like the same Kong. And of course, this whole love story. So everything now is based on this premise that, oh, you got a heart, but don't don't get it aroused because if you sniff that lady Kong, you might have a another attack. And you know, after heart surgery, people are told not to engage in sex for several weeks. If you have open heart surgery, you can't get it on because you're just going to die. 
And that sounds like a sex comedy premise. That doesn't sound like a tearjerker drama that you could, even Meryl Streep couldn't pull that <laughs> off if they wanted to make that as a tearjerker, Arnie. Don't let Kong get a boner. Yeah. So if this is a sex comedy, and there were a lot of them in the 80s, if this is Bachelor Party with Simeons, it's got to be fucking funny. And I'm not laughing, damn it. And are you telling me, so this is all pheromones, that's how the Kongs know about each other? Because I, I was wondering, I'm like, are they psychic? Do they smell each other? Can they hear each other? If they were psychic, it, it was unclear to me. Well, if you recall, he was able to track down Dwan in a underground Manhattan bar, and he was flaring those nostrils. Yeah, that's assuming there's continuity between these films, and I don't make that assumption. I thought Lady Kong might be in heat, and if there's a dog in heat a block down, my dog will know about it. So I don't know if you'd say pheromones or just odors, but Kong's sniffing something he likes. Is there a reason why he's not pursuing Duan, other than the fact that Jessica Lang said absolutely under no circumstance? Shouldn't Kong still be in love with her, though? I gotta imagine there's been some brain damage, memory loss. Uh, who knows what's going on with Kong mentally? A facial paralysis is obviously here because he is not <laughs> making the faces. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, again, this could be a very funny premise if you have Horny Kong trying to bust out to get to the sorority house down the street. Like, all right, so it's a college sex comedy. Let's do that. But, ugh, I mean, it's just nasty, right? It just kind of makes you feel bad, like you're watching some kind of furry porn when we get to, <laughs> like, their actual officer and a gentleman, like, rescue where he lifts her up into his arms. And, like, they, we just needed up where we belong to play over that. I swear, I'm like, I'm pointing out to Marjorie, he's carrying her over like a bride, like the matrimonial, you know, you carry your bride over the threshold and all of that. It's like, wow. And later... Lady Kong's going with it. She's just like, my hero. He's not going to live in sin. I mean, this is a good Christian Kong here. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're trying to find a church. I'm sure of it. See, I wish that was a whole subplot. Have the Christians chase them down to make sure they're married before they procreate. (laughs) That's a movie I'd watch and laugh at. Again, you could have that kind of humor. I mean, there is ways of working this in. Yeah, I feel like they kind of go there when they introduce rednecks. They should have done that more. Yeah, I feel like you could have definitely shown a satire of America. They kind of do. I don't know if they intend to. But when we cut to the few people that we see outside, they're waving Confederate flags and wearing Tarzan thongs. Yeah, referencing deliverance. Yeah, I mean, like, there's ways of making this a good time, even in its limited budget. In fact, it requires it. If you find out that you have $24 and now it's gone down to half that, you rethink where you're going with it. You look at everything again. You make the movie that you can I mean, that is what a good director does. And so John Gillerman should have either stepped aside and let one of the Sucker Brothers do this or get Dino out of the writer's room because he doesn't understand what jokes are. But Dino wants us to cry. He's not going for humor. Nobody in this is trying to make a comedic film. They're trying to make a serious film, which is where the comedy lies is it seeing them so deadly serious about something so f***ing ridiculous usually that's true but here really you're laughing a lot 
Oh my god, I can't stop. I'm laughing harder than I laughed at the Rush Hour films, and that was quite a bit. Oh wow, okay. My face is stone face. I'm watching this and just, it feels gross. Oh come on, when Kong is breaking out and you've got the security guard trying to get a radio to work, he's not running, he's not doing anything to stop Kong, he's not afraid of Kong, he's banging on the radio to work, that's That is unintentional funny. Yeah, the one good brown arrow moment for me is, yeah, Kong carries off Lady Kong, Mm -hmm. and they're, like, out in the woods. You know, he finds a snake, and he's, like, trying to impress her. Ooh, have this snake. And she ain't going to have none of that. You don't give Lady Kong snake on a first date. (laughs) She's more refined than that. Don't they later say they're herbivores? Yeah, but he needs protein. He needs 2,000 pounds of protein a day, and I don't think he's eating soybeans. Maybe it was an Adam and Eve (laughs) metaphor. Maybe this movie's just too deep for me. But I was literally screaming at the TV, please stop this. I cannot take watching these men in (laughs) ape suits pantomime this date. Are we supposed to be like one over with this love story between ape and ape? Correct. So this is funny. That's what Dino wants us to do. Like just fall in love with this. But yes, are we to buy into any of this? I think we are because of the contrast between the humans and the apes. Like they are in some ways validating the behavior and emulating the behavior that Kong and Lady Kong are having. We've had, it's not real clear why, but Amy doesn't like Hank. I think she thinks of him as an opportunist, but guess what? You wanted a miracle and a blood transfusion. I don't know why you're mad that he brought you Lady Kong and they, what, in driving a four by four down a off-road forest, fall in love and decide to get into a sleeping bag that I'm hoping one of these Kongs must steaks for an unpeeled banana and just eats (laughs) yeah that's another hilarious moment when linda hamilton finally gives into hank and like throws open her (laughs) sleeping bag with that come hither look like oh i'm rolling my eyes so hard i'm like is this supposed to be romantic are we supposed to love this love story okay you could give me the hottest woman in the world okay (laughs) scarlett johansson in my bed naked okay Nothing's going to kill my boner faster than if she goes, we're primates too. It's over. I can't perform. No Viagra fixes that. Not to mention some stinking giant simians are humping each other about a half a mile away. And you can hear every grunt. You know what? Let's. I got a headache tonight, honey. I can't. This is what they call monogamous group sex, where you have sex in the same vicinity as other people but only sleep with your partner yeah but this is also mixed with furries and bestiality (laughs) it's all kind of so crazy yeah i just i've been acting like none of it's funny some of this is funny but a lot of uh, for a lot of stretch of this movie my judgment of a bad movie that is entertaining is how often i'm engaged with what's going on and most of this is a chore to sit through I think there's one actor who knows what movie he's in. John Ashton shows up at the 30-minute mark as the lieutenant colonel in charge of Operation Kongs. And he is making these facial expressions that make it look like he's constantly having a stroke. His eyes are fluttering. His eyes are rolling back in his head. And he is chewing up that scenery. I think he knows what he's in. I think he might be doing a parody of Dino or 
or maybe John Gillerman. It was said the cast and crew were so against the director, the special effects team were making dolls of him, and in some of these shots where like he's stepping on cars and all, like Kong is actually crushing the director. Like these are unhappy people that are on this set. I think you might have of a soft spot for this actor because he was a supporting character in Beverly Hills Cop, right? I'll never forgive him for not coming back for part three, though. So no, no soft spots. No, well, I never saw part three. <laughs> You're lucky. I'm sure I won't avoid it forever. <laughs> Hector Elizondo is no John Ashton. That's all I'll say. But yes, he's the military type who's been told capture, not kill. But of course, because the military and all these kinds of movies is I just want to be bloodthirsty. He's looking to ignore those orders and dump what looks like a whole bakery full of flour on Lady Kong. <laughs> is it knockout gas or like anything is knockout if like there's that many particles in the air, you're just being drowned, basically. Like, And then they have nothing for Kong. They're like, well, shit. They like spritz him or something like that. I'm like, yeah, that ain't gonna work. Yeah, I didn't get this because I guess Kong is out looking for food because Lady Kong don't eat no snakes, so he gets up early. They're separate. No, I think he's picking trees. I think he's like making a boat Okay. Yeah, to eat. Oh, I thought he was making like a flower bouquet. (laughs) I thought it was a salad. (laughs) Oh, but maybe it's a salad. I thought it was flowers, too, and I was laughing. Yeah, that was funny. But they catch Lady Kong, and then King Kong comes in to save her. And s- instead of just gassing Kong, they, yeah, they, like, just push him back, and then they try to capture it. It's like, just gas him, too. Take both of them. You don't have to clear one out before you get the other. I don't think they have any gas anymore, so they have something called concussion grenades, which, uh, <laughs> uh, tell me how that works. And he gets mad, starts throwing rocks, and then they have this pitiful thunderstorm. It's basically like the equivalent of like going to your light fixture and turning the lights on and off. The rain affects all of it. It's, ooh, it's just awful. And Kong just decides, is he committing suicide or is he trying to get away from the storm? I thought the concussion grenades, which are a real thing, by the way, I thought it blew him off the side. Oh, I thought he jumped. It's hard to tell. Oh, yeah, I thought he jumped too to try to save himself. But we're told... Gorillas can't swim. I mean, in another movie. I know, but again, I don't believe there's any continuity between this and 1976 Kong. This is its own thing. I just don't see. I mean, I I guess (laughs) I was about to say I don't see a gorilla having the reasoning that I need to jump onto the water and the water will be okay instead of a ground because these people are shooting me. But then again, I also don't see too many gorillas that pick flowers for their mates. So what do I know? But they think he's dead because Linda Hamilton has been dragging this IBM computer along in her knapsack and it has the heart monitor. It's flatlined. So he temporarily, maybe it was the cold water. Well, he hits his head on a rock and that thing gushes blood. Like they really are telling us he's dead. Fooled ya. Sure. But like they make it look like he died. There's so much blood. And... It's 1986 computer technology. I'm not willing to bet that she just lost connectivity because of water. <laughs> the artificial heart being underwater would make it look flatlined. Sure, maybe so. At any rate, Kong gets away. Lady Kong is captured. And so we have Hank going back to Borneo and negotiating land for her to live. But 
for whatever reason, nobody is willing to put her on the preserve. They want to keep her in what I think is a nuclear missile silo. Like, I mean, it was the 80s. We were really obsessed with nukes and all of that. So they just stick her in the silo. And... Yeah, it's some kind of silo, and they just keep dumping food on her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're doing with her shit and piss. Like, it's very unsanitary. Yeah, she's on hunger strike, so I don't know how much poop there really would be. But that we're <laughs> she's told... a giant ape. There's going to be poop. Yeah, we're told that it's been three months or more of this. So, yeah. This is dire. A lot of time has passed. She's basically dying at this point. And Linda Hamilton and this guy are trying to figure out a way to bust her out and get her to Borneo. Meanwhile, Kong is alive and in some kind of swamp eating baby alligators. Uh, Even though, again, they're herbivores that need a whole lot of protein. I'm very confused by this gorilla's diet. Thousands of pounds a day. I don't know how much an alligator weighs, but I figure people are going to start noticing a lack of alligators in the area. (laughs) He's ruining the ecosystem. Like... (laughs) I love that he, like, is picking the bones. He's eating it like KFC. He's, like, chewing all the meat off the bones and throwing the bones out. At one point, he's, like, four alligators are hanging out of his mouth. It's, like, a whole thing going on there. I'm, like, just one at a time, dude. Chew your food. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, it's a funny kind of image to have. It begs the question, what did he eat on Kong Island? I guess he had the Soma berries, right? And the snakes. You keep going back to that one (laughs) snake. But he tried to feed Lady Kong a snake, and no, that's not a euphemism. Yeah, well, (laughs) maybe it is. I wish that kind of euphemism was here. But at any rate, Kong has decided it's time for the climax, and he's going to go a-walking for his lady. I think he's coming back because he knows Lady Kong's about to go into labor, right? Like, he hears her wails of labor and is following the screams. Right, and it's a full moon. That was, like, their time. Like, I, I guess he feels like, yeah, he wants to be there. He's a responsible dad. Again, a good Christian <laughs> ape. <laughs> But we haven't been told she's pregnant yet, because Kong's got to, like, fight some rednecks. They're going to try to bury him in rubble, and he's just going to eat them. And John Ashton, the lieutenant colonel, doesn't want the rednecks hunting Kong? Well, they, I mean, that's a common complaint. We don't want militias and posses. We want we want to be the ones to ensure justice prevails. This feels lifted from Jaws. Like, that was always a fun scene about the two guys that just try to go out on the dock and catch him with a lure and almost get dragged the whole dock into the water. Like, it's funny in concept. In execution here, it's pretty stupid. That's the case with a lot of this movie. I could kind of go with all of this if Kong was smashing cool stuff or fighting cool dinosaurs. A complaint I had with the 1976 one because Dina wanted to make us cry. And that meant, I guess you can't fight dinosaurs. But here, Kong, what, he's going to like rampage on a golf course? Like this is the most middle class suburban Kong rampage we have seen. It's just there's not much excitement here. North Carolina, I want to remind you. Is Dino throwing shade at Back to the Future with stepping on a DeLorean like, my Kong is going to be better than your time travel movie? I was wondering that, yeah. <laughs> no doubt he was plotting his own Back to the Future. Yeah, he gets very jealous of anyone else's success, so I'm sure that was some kind of petty thought that he wanted to throw in here. But, you know, let's think back on Toho Studios and, like, we could talk about those being models and dioramas that they tore up but there was a beauty and an art to them here with the superimposition and the few times they have models it all looks really bad i mean this <laughs> this shows what good model making is to me it looks the same as toho when he's walking past those farmhouses that are obviously miniatures 
It looks the same as like that great shrine that they rip up and all of that. No way. No way. All right, the shrine of something special, but it looks the same. It looks better than some of the remote control tanks that went after Godzilla. No, no. When we see cars and he's stepping on vehicles here, abysmal matchbox cars. This is pathetic. No, that's what I mean. Like, you can't even enjoy this movie at, like a regular kaiju movie. I think regular kaiju movies often look ridiculous just like this, so I don't see a difference. I'm failing to see the delineation of good, bad versus bad, bad. Okay, well, it's it's there. I'm here to tell you, as as someone that is a fan... This looks cheap. It looks dark. Toho, they, they got all those lights on. They're, yeah, they're not trying to hide that they're toys, but I can see what's going on. And that's part of the fun, is that they're kind of just totally shameless about what they're doing here I, I don't know maybe dino does want to try to hide the fact that they're using toys and it just becomes a murky dark image yeah plus there's just detail to the models that count so even when you recognize their models they look like cool models whereas this doesn't look like a cool model this looks like a c plus school diorama but yes kong eventually gets to the underground bunker why is no one finding him like days and nights pass like sometimes yeah he's on the golf course it's bright midday and somehow he's allowed to walk till night and nobody can find him and it's just amazing that he's been able to go from the everglades to this institute i understand they're in appalachia but i mean we see mountains and hills so i don't think they're in the everglades that long yeah he's gonna show up to a square dance like he <laughs> okay so they went north but yet there's alligators somewhere so maybe went to recover he went south to the everglades but the fact that these gorillas could just disappear here in, in in georgia i mean i've driven through large swaths of georgia and yes again appalachia there's a lot of mountains and a lot of land but well, appalachia that you, is more north than that well the appalachian trail starts in georgia and goes north from there that's what i was kind of judging by and i would think any airplane would be able to spot these <laughs> giant gorillas from the air without having to look all that hard airplanes children like everyone would know <laughs> like it wouldn't be hard to spot the giant simians that have torn and left giant footprints and yeah, all of this is, is silly what was the plan what were they going to do nevit keeps saying okay we'll get them but what do they do when they get them is it just the tanks the thought is we just shoot them dead i think that is nevit's desire now is after when kong comes back and what is said by amy is kong gets captured by the rednecks and they like bury him yeah they blow up some dynamite and it buries him up to his neck somehow it looks like a prank you play on someone asleep at the beach and then kong finally gets free and bites the head off the guy who was torturing him and amy's like no you've taken a life and at that moment it the lieutenant colonel feels free to kill Kong because he's killed a human. She's got a box that, like, controls his heart. They could just hit a button and he's dead. They could just take him out that way. But she doesn't want him dead. Yeah, so we go after her and not Kong. It's much easier. Or there had to be another box. Tell me they didn't, like, have a backup here. Again, it's a whole institute. But, yeah, their plan seems nebulous they're going to kill him and nobody is interested in moving them to borneo why is borneo like a bad plan the military doesn't want to give up lady kong for reasons they say that they spent a year guarding her and so it's now a vendetta for them that they just keep her in a box until she dies 
Mm, good thinking. Okay. So anyway, she is pulled out of the silo, holding Mitch. Mitch is kind of li- Faye Ray at this point, and they crash a family reunion to have their family. That's kind of a joke, I guess. There's this dosy do and moonshine party. Yeah, there's square dancing in this movie. Yeah. And the big apes just kind of fall into their barn, and yeah, she goes into labor, and before you know it, Baby Kong! Baby Kong, Baby Kong, Baby Kong. I'm shocked you know that, Arnie. I think that they could maybe have sold the doll of this. He's kind of cute, but this movie's not cute. Yeah, and they want to go deadly serious here. Like, Kong is dying, his heart is failing, and no, he must. He must see his son. He must touch his son. Like, that is the whole gist of this third act. Will Kong be able to lay eyes on his son before he dies? Uh, Why do they care? I don't. (laughs) I mean, you get Amy going, reach for him, Kong. Mm -hmm. Reach out. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, if Kong wants to reach out, Kong will reach out. Why are you telling him to do this? He's an ape. Yeah, I think they're projecting what they'd like to be doing with each other onto these simians here. But I'm like, why don't you guys go get a room? Like, get out of the sleeping bag and go work this out. And, yeah, maybe we could have a proper Kong movie without you. But, yeah, Kong dies. Somehow the kid and Lady Kong get to Borneo anyway. The military's right there. Like, they roll up. But we're supposed to believe, I think, that the lieutenant colonel was the one harboring the vendetta. And now that King Kong killed the lieutenant colonel, which we're supposed to cheer because he was such a gorilla-killing madman, Uh that now that he's gone... And they had orders from the Secretary of Defense. I mean, they were able to go in with the lieutenant colonel having to abide and see her and check her out and things like that. So I think they could go to the Secretary of Defense and go, do you really want a national nightmare of killing Baby Kong? Yeah, okay. So as one hate monger general that was the fly in the ointment here. And so now good old America is happy to send these refugees back to Borneo where they can, yeah, you know, this cute little guy. Swing vine to vine. His first word is probably trilogy. He's going to try and (laughs) say that he can carry on this franchise in a few years. Well, we can talk about what they plan to do after I ask Jacob Stewart. Do you recommend King Kong Lives? Jacob. Yeah, this movie's too serious. Lighten up, everyone. Linda, lighten up. Do more of that reveal in your sleeping bag. Like, that is, like, one of two times that I laugh. And I felt like I should have been laughing a whole lot more in this because, yeah, everyone is so dour. But it ends up just being kind of a boring movie. Like, the last one was felt very 70s because of its pace. and But I kind of dug, like, the character work in that one. He, Kong wasn't much there, but uh, Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lang, like, I, I, I kind of like that stuff there. Here, I, I don't like the humans. I don't like the monkeys. It's kind of boring. There's a couple funny, uh, probably unintentionally funny scenes. I wish it was campier. I wish it was more Toho. Not recommend. Stewart. Yeah, what a fall. I mean, you'd have better luck surviving going off the Empire State Building than trying to survive this pathetic sequel. The 80s had so many dysfunctional family dramas. This was the perfect antidote to that. You could have made the Kramer versus Kramer or Ordinary People parody with apes 
and had a good time. Godzilla came back in 1985. That was a lot of fun. Why couldn't you just make a kaiju movie? Why does Dino believe that he has E.T.? Dino is a delusional film producer, and he has the resume to prove it, because he's made so many stupid, crazy, over-the-top movies, and most of them are enjoyable for exactly that reason. But this is not Flash Gordon. I don't feel like many people are going to watch this and go, oh, I love this movie. It has some laughs. Yes, indeed. You pointed out a few. I think we've relished the few kernels where it was genuinely over-the-top crazy. But no, for the most part, dour, serious as a heart attack, Kong's lowest cinematic moment. And unfortunately, things are actually going to get worse for him. It's the lowest moment now, but once he moves on to animation in the decade later, it gets worse. We'll talk about that. But right now, I mean, yeah, this is the reddest of errors. And I had to think hard. Is this a red arrow or a brown arrow? I mean, either way, I recognize this is a giant pile of gorilla shit. The question is, is it so bad it's good or is it just so bad it's bad? Yeah, were you were you laughing? I mean, I think that's the, the way to measure that. Was it fun? I was. I mean, from the bad special effects, when Mitch and Amy are in an airplane, did you guys notice you can see through Mitch's shirt to the ground? That's how bad the blue screen was. Mm. I mean, you saw trees going through his chest. Only one thing can save this movie, a miracle. I'm going to give it that miracle. The line, we're primates too, is going to tip the scales in favor of a recommend for so bad, it's fucking good. Okay, I guess. Yeah, we're just going to disagree on the qualifications of that. It's so bad. I'm halfway there with you. <laughs> but again, I, like you'd watch this again? With people. I mean, I only like to watch bad movies like Troll 2 and things with other people. And then I'm basically watching a live reaction video and i'm laughing through them i never would watch troll 2 again on my own but you think this is as good as troll 2 nothing is as good as troll 2 yeah but this is on the spectrum wow low low i mean again if it's a guilty pleasure this is not one of the best bad movies i've ever seen and again i get why howard the duck would get the razzie over this (laughs) but I think that the TV series spinoff Dino was wanting would have been even worse. Really? He was talking to Filmation Studios for an animated spinoff of this movie starring the son of Kong. The series would be called Kid Kong. Mm. <laughs> and there were ideas like he could change his sizes at will. So he'd be giant King Kong and then little Kid Kong and he'd visit different planets i mean filmation brought us he-man and all that other stuff i mean this sounds like something they do frankly i like the idea that was pitched about he goes underwater in a submarine made out of giant coconuts called the coconautilus yeah this is dino man like his mind is amazing like his (laughs) thought processes i guess it's when it hits it is extravagant and extraordinary but man i can see why so many people find him difficult to work with because obviously there's a cartoon in kong but that ain't it and it ain't what we get next either i want to just say that yes kong picks himself up from this debacle and slinks off to the 90s looks at disney who has a lot of success turning musicals out of fairy tales and says let's do that with kong let's remake beauty and the beast as the mighty kong wow i watched this i couldn't do it in one sitting it's 70 minutes that's why we're not covering it it was direct to video it is not a feature length you couldn't do 70 minutes in one sitting 
sitting. I couldn't do 70 minutes in one it, sitting. That says a lot about the quality. And when I did the final 30 minutes later that night, Marjorie wanted to stab me for making her in the vicinity of that movie for 30 minutes. The songs are bad. The dialogue is bad. The animation sucks. There we go. Let's really hone in on that. Because, yeah, this the guy who directed this, his biggest credit was producing the Fonz and Laverne and Shirley cartoons from the 1980s. I don't even remember those. <laughs> and the guy that wrote this wrote King Kong Escape. So, yes, the aspiration truly is Beauty and the Beast. They are trying to say we can make a Disney fairy tale with the voice of the Little Mermaid. Jody Benson is playing Anne here and Dudley Moore in his last screen role before he exits this earth. He is playing Denim and they're singing and dancing. It's why it takes the same amount of time as the 1933 movie to get to Kong. I couldn't believe it, but it is just <laughs> the same stretch of time because they got all these bad musical numbers to get through. Some make no damn sense there's literally a song where they sing about Anne's character name in the movie it never matters we never bring up that character again but they're gonna sing for three minutes about her fake character name yeah and then they have a subplot about this little boy named ricky and his pet chimpanzee chips and like this is not the way to go with this and of course, once we get to Kong, nothing is going to happen. Like, he's not killing any dinos. He's not stomping on any tribesmen. He doesn't even die at the end. But the tribesmen, this is the most racist King Kong movie there ever was. These tribesmen are so terrible. There's a guy in a body size shield skull mask going, ooga, I mean, this is song of the south bad it's culturally insensitive i mean i think it is yes it, it was made by japanese it, again it was time for release same month as the matthew broderick godzilla i mean the captain who is scottish for reasons is able to speak to the natives by going unga, unga, big boss chief unga. i mean this is racist as hell but there's one funny line one line got a true legitimate laugh out of me. Near the end of the film, Denim is talking to Anne and is like, we're going to take him out of here. We're going to have him live on some land in New Jersey. And Anne goes, <laughs> King Kong can't live in New Jersey. No one can. <laughs> I didn't even catch that line. I was probably falling asleep at this point. But yeah, I just want to point out that because this is made for children again fairy tales they could do this they have sad endings like baby's mom got shot they could have kong die at the end and do what the fairy tale requires i thought for sure it would end kind of like one of the soho ones and he'd get back to the island like we'd have the empire state building but they'd actually bring a net and we'd end with him return to skull island no, they bring planes to shoot at him, and he falls off the Empire State Building just like the regular one. I'm like, wow, they killed Kong in the cartoon? And then Chips prays, and Kong's eyes flutter <laughs> open, and that's the end. I'm like, well, is he going to go on a rampage again? Like, the, Is this just going to continue? Like, it just stops at that point. No, he got it out of his system. Maybe he's going <laughs> to sing. You know, maybe that's the like one thing they could do. He, at least Kong doesn't sing in the musical. I think... 
that they were going to kill him and somebody somewhere veered off course at the last second and said, we can't do that. And all they could do was open an eye to let people know, see, he's not dead. Kids mm-hmm. don't cry. Yeah, I guess. But again, even if you're going to make a different ending, I feel like you could have saved him in a different way. Like, I feel like this was, it was a really bizarre choice in a truly terrible movie. And it got worse. Kong the Animated Series. You know about this one? I do not. Okay. No idea. Yeah, it takes a page from Jurassic Park. It says, okay, Kong did fall off the Empire State Building, but there was a geneticist there to take his DNA, mix it with her grandsons, and create a new clone Kong that has a psychic link with this grandson. And now they traveled the world with a female tribe woman from Skull Island and a surfer dude trying to find magic stones. This isn't Jurassic Park. This is Jurassic World 2 with the little girl Velociraptor, right? Oh, I was going to say it's Jurassic Park 3 with the talking raptor. I, I mean, Jurassic Park in the sense that they got into DNA. I mean, like, they're going there for resurrecting Kong. Because, again, that's always the big mystery. How do you keep Kong going if Kong dies at the end? And, I, again, this premise, whatever. It was 40 episodes that ran on Fox Cartoons Network. But then they had to do this to me. Like, I could have forgiven that. But they made two almost feature-length movies. I'm like, all right, that means I'm taking that hint. They're 70-minute movies. More animated musicals, goddammit. Kong, <laughs> King of Atlantis, in which we learn Kong once ruled over... Under the water? Snake people. He ruled snakes under the water in Atlantis, and the snake people decide to surface and sing, goddammit. It's one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen. And then it got worse because they're like, okay, we need to hippen up the animation style for the sequel. Kong Return to the Jungle looks like it was done in Minecraft. And, like, it's all this, like, blocky computer effects that supposedly brings back Kong to New York. But, like, you can tell that ape is, like, not walking on anything. He's just floating on geometric shapes. No joke. It is honestly one of the worst animated movies I've ever seen in my life. Kong will never do worse than Kong Return to the Jungle. Well, I'm glad to hear he won't do worse because we have two more King Kong movies that are already out and the third on the way. So if it'll never do worse, then that means we're in for good movies, right? Yeah, it definitely means we're in for prestige films. Expensive redos. Peter Jackson Kong. We will be getting there in two weeks. We're not going to be doing it next week because we're going back to theaters. We've got Harley Quinn to contend with. And after that, Sonic the Hedgehog. So, yeah, three weeks, actually, we'll be back to Kong. Sure. Two weeks in between with movies that we'd rather talk about than the mighty Kong. Oh, yeah, certainly, yes. (laughs) I don't know. You got Sonic. Yeah. Sonic looks deliciously bad. I think we are going to have another (laughs) argument about good bad versus bad bad. My hope is Brown Arrow for that one. Yeah, the the question I want you guys to answer, should they have kept the old design? Would that enhance (laughs) the fun bad in it? I'm going to just undermine and say early word is it's legitimately good. No. Yeah. I don't believe that at all. Who is telling these lies? Harvey Weinstein? Who? What? What is this? Well, I don't think Harvey Weinstein's telling any lies outside of a courtroom right now, but I'm hearing that this is a legitimately solid children's film. Not quite Detective Pikachu, all family-level good, but a solid kids' film. Okay, I'll be floored if any of that is even remotely true. But <laughs> hey, maybe it will make it easier. It certainly is a strange choice for Valentine's Day, but that's how I'm spending it. 
not when they wanted it to come out either. It was supposed to come out last October. But this Friday, if you're looking for anything better than this, <laughs> we've got something slightly better than this. Rush Hour 3, the final film in the Rush Hour series. It ends our Platinum Donation series. So if you want to hear I Am Legend podcast, Zombieland podcast, Zombieland 2 did come out on video recently. The slew of Grudge podcasts, Juwan and The Grudge, and or Rush Hour, plus the Pacino films with The Irishman, head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. It is your support that keeps us going and putting out so many shows and convincing my wife that on Valentine's Day, I can't take her out because I have to go see Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Gotta go fast. You should just play this movie. It's much more romantic. And you love it, right? Brown Arrow. We already watched it together and both laughed. Oh, good. All right. I'm glad it could be a special thing for you. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And listeners, thank you for joining us for now playing the eighth wonder of the world. I think he's had enough of what we call civilization. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. It's no use. The show, it's over. It's done. I'm done. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Holy mackerel, what a show. If you enjoyed this show, please tell others. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. Word will get out. It always does. Want to hear more reviews like this one? You can find hundreds of other movie reviews at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Which it on, like this, and you'll get them by matching. In our archives section are over 800 reviews. Listen to our hosts discuss horror, sci-fi, comedy, action, drama, and more. Plus, you can hear reviews of every movie based on Marvel or DC Comics. Wait till those candy asses in New York hear about this one. A new, totally free movie review podcast is posted every Tuesday. So come back each week for another new show. This island is just the beginning. There's more out there. What do you mean? more. This world never belonged to us. It belonged to them. The question is how long before they take it back. Kong is not the only king. Now Playing relies on listener support to keep operating. Do you suppose he knew he was saving my life? Do you suppose he knew he was helping us? Of course not. You want me to believe he was grateful? You can support Now Playing by joining our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. Backers can get early access to reviews, unedited reviews, exclusive shows not available anywhere else, and more. Details are at nowplayingpatron.com. I am a realist, and I need you. 
so I am going to be generous. I will let you go without a bit of trouble and with lots of cash. At our Podbean site, you can also support the show by listening to any of our donation shows. Series like Planet of the Apes, Jurassic Park, Phantasm, Jaws, and others are available for a small, one-time contribution. I'll give you another thousand, Olive, right now. You haven't given me the first thousand yet. You can also donate to us directly on PayPal. Details can be found by clicking the banner at the top of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Might as well settle up. You gonna pay me? Am I gonna stiff a friend? Want 375 more Now Playing reviews? Get the Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Arnie, Stewart, Jacob, and Marjorie reviewed 125 different movies, each getting three recommends, or not recommends. There was still some mystery left in this world, and we could all have a piece of it for the price of an admission ticket. The ebook is available now, and the print book will be shipping soon. Find details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. Well, it better be good after all this bowing. You can also follow Now Playing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There, the hosts post new episode announcements, movie reviews, and contests, where you can win movies and soundtracks. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube for original video content. She could be hysterical, so come on, follow me. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I'm someone you can trust. I'm a producer. Believe me, I am on the level. No funny business. Associate produced by Jason Latham. Sure, no, I've been a big help. Now Playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. All hands on deck! Everybody on deck! Everybody on deck! Now Playing credits read by Brock. I can't tell when I'm talking or when I'm not talking. You're talking. Am I? Yes. I'm talking? Yes. Your mouth is moving. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. If you feel it, you say it. It's really very simple. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. You can't accuse me. He wasn't there. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. We must not panic. If there is one thing we cannot afford at this time, it is hysteria. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of, and may not be used without the expressed written permission of, Venganza Media Incorporated. You need to listen to us! We're not at war, Colonel. You're making a mistake. Your lies got my men killed. And you're going to get us all killed. Not our fight. Whose side are you on, Captain? Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2020. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Why'd he do that? Climb up there and get himself cornered. The ape must have known what was coming. What does it matter? Airplanes got him. It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast.
The that's pool- r- that's right. You had the fancy pay stations. My family couldn't get those. We didn't get none of that fanciness. You didn't have cable? No, but we didn't have HBO. No. Well, we had Spotlight. I don't know if you <laughs> should be envious. Spotlight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even remember that one. And you won't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, apparently Spotlight had King Kong lifts. <laughs> The artificial, like, your dad didn't have a button to make the artificial heart go faster or slower, did he? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. A remote control? She has, like, a whole computer she's got to carry around. (laughs) Well, it has to have good range. These days, I do understand that they can do something with pacemakers and Bluetooth, though, so. I I mean, I have a type 1 diabetic daughter who has who has sensors in her body that communicate to her phone through Bluetooth, telling us what her blood sugar is, so... I had, I had a co-worker who was diabetic who was beta-testing that technology yeah. a few years back, and could you imagine the hacker who gets control of your pacemaker? Yeah, that that is scary. This sounds like a movie. <laughs> who would be in that movie? Lance Hendrickson, I feel like? Well, maybe Lance Hendrickson. I'm picturing it as we just get Jason Statham and rip off his crank films <laughs> with something with a pacemaker. Oh, you're aiming too high. <laughs> this is definitely, like, Razzie territory. Have you seen Statham act? <laughs> Meanwhile, Lady Kong is brought to term and ready to give birth. But Lady Kong isn't good at veterinary care. But Lady Kong isn't getting good veterinary <laughs> She's probably not good at it either, yeah. She just, like, cups a pond and, like, pours it on her boyfriend. Yeah, this will treat those bullet wounds. (laughs) Does anyone remember Baby Faye? Like Faye from the first King Kong movie? Nope, nope. Baby Faye. She was a big headline. I actually, embarrassing story, but I took her her story to heart. I actually wrote, like my brother and I designed a TV show based on her. She was the first person to receive (laughs) a baboon heart transplant uh, in 1984. This is not ringing any bells, Arnie? No, nope, don't recall this. Well, it's too bad that I wasn't able to get She's a Dummy now on the air because my brother and I thought, what if a woman got a monkey brain transplant and then she's running around acting like a chimpanzee every time you know she's introduced to an awkward situation? This is before Small Wonder? <laughs> it could have worked in the 80s. I actually don't think I was wrong. But yeah, Baby Faye. of transplant patients return to work or other activities they previously enjoyed. Personally, I would not return to work and call it an activity I enjoy. Yeah, just kill me. Let me die of the heart attack. You could do work or other activities that I enjoy. I'll do the other. Mm. And... 